when when I decided not to renew my, this is probably more information than you care to know, but when I decided not to renew, they basically say you won't be successful without us. Sorry, I, <laughs> and that my was a, mouth just dropped. And so that that's was my why motivation. <laughs> that was my motivation. That was my motivation. And so- The audacity. The audacity. People are interesting, but that's that was their position and that's how they felt. I felt differently. <laughs> Welcome to the Zoom In Podcast. I'm Tamara, a creative director and commercial lifestyle photographer, the founder of Darden Creative, a full service content creation agency, and your host for the Zoom In Podcast, a podcast that highlights the stories and experiences of Black women photographers. A little housekeeping before we get into it. Please follow or subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. In comments are currency, so please leave a comment on iTunes or rate the Zoom In Podcast on Spotify. You may just get a shout out on an upcoming episode. Hey, y'all. Welcome to episode four of the Zoom In Podcast. Can y'all believe we're at episode four? There are only two episodes left of season one. And I'm truly happy about how the Zoom In Podcast has been received by all of you with your DMs and your texts. So thank you so, so much. As promised, wanted to give a special shout out to one of our listeners, the lovely Taylor Monet. Taylor has appreciated the questions, energy, and authenticity that she finds other photo podcasts have struggled to achieve. So thank you so much, Taylor, for listening and for that amazing feedback. Today's guest is weddings photographer and educator, Terry Baskin. I consider Terry an OG in the game, and I'm truly thankful for her coming onto the podcast to share her journey with us all. We covered a lot in this episode, including her experience with her father being her second shooter for her first few weddings, how she's been able to build longevity in her photography business, and how she is running a referral-based business, something that I was certainly curious about and wanting to implement for my own business. So without further ado, the lovely Terry Baskin. Miss Terry Baskin, thank you so much for coming onto the Zoom In podcast. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> it's so interesting because I live in Washington, D.C., and you live in Woodbridge, Virginia, and we have not crossed paths not one time, which I try to tell people like the DMV is small, but everyone is just, it's scattered. It Everybody is, is everywhere, <laughs> right? <laughs> Um, did you grow up in Woodbridge, Virginia? So no. So actually, um, I am from North Carolina. And so I grew up in Greensboro. And I've lived a lot of places before coming to Virginia. And I'm actually south of Woodbridge. But before coming to Virginia, I was in California. And so um, Virginia has been home for me for a while. But home home, like where my family is, is North Carolina, Greensboro. So yeah. How long have you have have you lived in the DMV area? Uh, I've been here since, gosh, I've been here for a while now. So I've been here since 06. 06. So, because yeah, I saw yeah, that you, you did your master's program at what, yeah. Virginia Commonwealth, right? Virginia Commonwealth. Yeah. VCU. I did my, um, my MBA and, uh, yeah. So I've just been here. I was just bounced around a little bit right after college, but ended up here. So I've been here for the longest. It's going on year seven for me in DC. And I swear, I thought I was going to be here for only two years. I, that's what I thought. 
<laughs> I was like, okay, I'll do this area for maybe like three years and then figure out where I want to go next. And yeah, so I'm still here. After grad school, I, I bought myself a camera for um, a graduation gift and started playing around with that. And gosh, and here we are. Like, <laughs> yeah, camera has taken me a lot of places. So it's, it's, it's been cool. It cool certainly journey. has. It has. So I, I saw you graduated from grad school. You purchased a camera and it was your mm -hmm. dad mm -hmm. who taught you some basics on how to use your camera and doing a little bit of research. It seems that you've mm -hmm. always been surrounded by photography. Your father was a photographer. I have, yeah, my father. So my father um, was a wedding photographer. So he doesn't, I, well, he doesn't take photos anymore. He's older, but he, um, he still takes photos, but not wedding photos. So he was a wedding photographer when I was growing up. He was a film photographer. So like before like digital even became a thing, uh, he was a film photographer. And I was always the friend with a camera. I always had whatever camera there was because that was his thing. And like my whole plan wasn't to become a photographer. It was more so like, hey, I want a camera as a nice graduation gift. And mm -hmm. One thing led to another. But when I first started taking photos, I was taking photos of like a little bit of everything, like families, maternity, nature, babies. And so one maternity session turned into a referral for an engagement session. And then they asked me to photograph their wedding. And so my dad came along as my second photographer for that wedding. So like my first three weddings, it's so funny. I originally, I had a friend who was a photographer and I was going to second shoot for him. Mm -hmm. Ended up booking my own wedding before I ever second shot the wedding. So called on my dad. He came and he was my second shooter. He kind of, you know, prepped me, told me kind of what things to look out for. Did all the research I could at that time, which was, gosh, a while ago. Shot my first wedding. Then I second shot a wedding. And then I photographed a few more weddings. So, yeah. Him like second shooting for like the first three. It's so interesting because <laughs> like when I started on my journey, my dad was the complete opposite. It was like, yeah. how are you going to pay for your livelihood? Like <laughs> people get paid to be a photographer. What exactly are you going to do? Well, what are you going to do to find clients, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And I, I find that a lot of people tend to, I guess, thwart their own dreams when their parents mm, don't mm -hmm. support them. It takes yeah. a lot of resilience to kind of just break through that. Or sometimes mm -hmm. like for me, I guess therapizing, it was the chip on my shoulder <laughs> that I was like, uh -huh. you know what, I'm going to prove to you uh -huh. <laughs> that I can, I can get this and make it successful. But I find it so beautiful that your dad was with you at the very beginning. And I guess I would love to just kind of hear how special was that for the both of you to share in that moment, considering, you know, he's seen your journey from the very beginning. Yeah. Photography started off for me as a side hustle. So I was working corporate America nine to five and then started picking up photography on the weekends. And so my very first wedding was in Virginia. He's in North Carolina. So he came up and he could tell I was very anxious before the wedding. So I guess because I was, you know, let me make sure I have all of my equipment together, had like everything laid out and, you know, going over the schedule for the following day. And so he helped calm me. So I felt a sense of, okay, I can do this because he has experience doing this. Like he's done it for many years. Mm -hmm. And so that part was really, really cool. 
And I could tell he was proud <laughs> just to kind of see me um, working in an action. But the good thing about having him there is he actually saved me like on a few shots. So he, cause he knew what to anticipate mm -hmm. more so than I did. Mm -hmm. So just looking back through the photos, he, he basically he saved me on like several of the photos. Client was super happy. We're actually still friends to this day. I've like seen her have kids and start to grow up. And so Having him there was really, really cool. I think the difference for him, though, was when he was a wedding photographer, it wasn't this whole full day production like it is now. So mm -hmm. you, he would show up to every, you know, the couple would get ready at the church, have the ceremony, go and like have a reception, cut the cake and he would leave. So at my wedding, the very first wedding I had, you know, we're at the client's house, mm -hmm. then we're at the church, and then we're at the reception facility, and he's just like, oh, this is a long day. So, <laughs> so it was funny to see him see, like, how he did it and now how it's done now, but it was cool. It was it was really cool. I like that that's a part of my story. Yeah, it, it's a beautiful part of the story. So thank you yeah. for sharing that. What would you yeah. say were some lessons that you learned from like the first client experiences that you had? Hmm. So when I was first getting started and probably like a lot of photographers probably lack confidence, right? And what they're doing because it could be something new or going into business is something new. My, uh, my parents worked nine to fives. My granddad was an entrepreneur, but um, entrepreneurship wasn't like a thing like it is now mm -hmm. and so just having the confidence of running a business I, I didn't have that and so I would <laughs> I was basically looking for any type of way to to book clients right one of the things that I would do is if someone wanted to take photos with me I would just say all right you know tell me a date and time I'll put them on my calendar and one of the things that would happen or what happened more often more often than I liked for it to was something would come up and they would cancel and I'm like, man, like I, you know, was excited for the shoot. I saved this time on my calendar and then they just up and cancel. And so my dad was like, you need to charge them to hold space on your calendar. And that was so foreign to me. Like, I was like, well, I don't want to take their money um, before I ever take their photos. And he was like, that's the only way they got to have some skin in the game. Mm -hmm. And so I finally got up the confidence when someone would ask me, I would say, well, you need to put down a deposit. I call, I call mine a retainer now. And so the, to think back to like early, early on where I was scared to take money to hold space on my calendar. Nowadays, I don't think twice about it. Like if you want to be on the calendar, you, you got to pay to be on the calendar. But uh, that was so foreign to me. So I would say like any lesson, that was probably the biggest one. Like if you want to be taken seriously, right, as a business owner, and if you want people to respect your time, you do have to have certain boundaries in place. And the people that want to work with you will abide by those. And then those that don't, you'll see that very early on versus yeah. later. So. Yeah. It's so interesting because it's always the small pieces of advice that are like the biggest mm -hmm. game changers. It's never something that's grandiose. And it's always something that's so unassuming, you know, like yeah. asking for a yeah. deposit. Like who would have thought? You know, I know. Yeah. Now it's probably common sense. Like people are probably like really Terry, but no, really. Like when I first got started, I was just having the confidence to even ask someone for money before I had done any work that was mm -hmm. foreign to me. So yeah, <laughs> not anymore. You mentioned that you were working full time mm -hmm. while you were like building up your confidence, 
building up your portfolio. When did you realize, like what year, I guess, into building your photography business while working full time, did you say to yourself, you know what, I'm going to take the plunge? So funny story. I was scared to take the leap. So I didn't take the leap. I, I kind of got pushed. And so um, I was working, you know, a nine to five and running a photography business. Now I look at my schedule now and I'm like, I don't know how I did both <laughs> going to work Monday through Friday, nine to five, taking weddings on the weekend. And I was doing like almost 30 weddings a year. So that was a good portion of my weekends. There were some days I would work every single day for like a month mm-hmm. Or before like I had a day off mm-hmm. and so I am um, 10 years in and gosh probably at year seven or eight I was thinking to myself like I really could probably do this full-time I was nervous about taking the leap to go full-time um, because I looked at the career that I was in it paid well mm-hmm. you know had benefits you know all of the insurances covered and the job wasn't hard I saw that I was having to decline photography work because I had my nine to five mm-hmm. but I was also like uh, I just don't know that I want to give up that security so yeah definitely job security and towards the end of 2018 I put a date on my calendar on 20 for 2019 and I said this is the date that I'm done and I'm going to take the leap and go full-time that day came and I said, I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. So then I put the same day on my calendar for 2020. It was a January date. January 2020 came. I said, I can't do it. I'm not ready. And something just didn't feel right about the date. And so I had to trust my gut. God's telling me something's telling me to wait. And so 2020, January, I decided, you know what? I can't take that leap. I'm going to wait. And in March, the pandemic hit. I was like, oh, maybe this was that voice telling me, you know, to wait. So I uh, just worked pretty much from home, my job, and then mm-hmm. found other creative ways to still do photography. Mm-hmm. And then the company did layoffs. And so I prayed about it. I said, you know what? If I get laid off, this is going to be my sign to go full time. And so that's what happened. And what month was so, that yeah. in 2020? Do you remember? Uh, November. I had no idea. Yeah, I had a no lot of people clue. didn't know I had a job, but it was because it. I, I never wanted the two to cross. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there were people at my job who knew I was a photographer because um, mm-hmm. they either followed me or they just knew from mm-hmm. just, I don't know, Google search, whatever. And then there were some people in my photography, on the photography side, who knew I worked, but I never really wanted the two to be mixed in together just yeah. I guess for obvious well for obvious reasons to me yeah um just because of perception oh if you're if you have this nine to five and you're doing the side thing that means you're not focused on your nine to five that wasn't true and then also if you have if you're a photographer and you have this nine to five oh you're not truly invested in my my wedding and that that wasn't true either right mm-hmm. and I feel like some people can try and put you in a box that way mm-hmm, and I was mm-hmm. so I chose not to so people, if you know, you know, it was kind of like one of those situations. Right. I didn't hide it, but I also right. didn't, you know, you broadcast it. You weren't so. advertising it either. Right, I, right. I think also too, there, there's something really important there in the sense that your business, your photography business was thriving even while you were running or not running, <laughs> but while you had a full-time job. I think like, I would have had no idea <laughs> that you were working full time. Like I knew you were working full time, you know, cause I did my research. 
but I had no idea that it was for that period of time. Do you know what I mean? Because there's always this assumption, oh, they have this thriving business. They're doing this full time. They don't Mm -hmm. have the capacity to do a full time job or traditional nine to five. And you, you have proved me wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how I did it, but it was, yeah, what's happening. So, (laughs) yeah, I think it's really important too, because there's so many creatives or entrepreneurs who sometimes look down on people who are able to manage both realities, like being able Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. have a nine to five, but still have still a thriving, successful business, you know, even though it's by definition, it's seen, it's a side hustle, but there's still a foundation. There's still structure. You're, you're still securing, you know, high profile or premium and clients while you're managing this nine to five schedule. And I think that's something important to really highlight and share for anyone who's like, Oh, can I do both? You can, you, you may you can absolutely do both. <laughs> yeah, you can absolutely do both and just make sure you have some serious boundaries and non-negotiables yes. intact. You definitely, you definitely have to know how to prioritize. Mm-hmm. Um, you definitely have to have boundaries. You know, it's so mm-hmm. funny while you were talking, it, um, a story or like an event that happened came to mind. And um, I was at an event, an industry event for wedding mm-hmm. professionals. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to another photographer who didn't realize I had a nine to five. And so <laughs> she was saying like, you know, one of the, one of the ways I sell myself to my clients or to potential clients is, you know, she basically poo-pooed on any photographer that has a nine to five and does photography. She was like, you know, that's my selling point. I can, you know, tell them I can turn around the photos faster and, you know, some other reasons why it was a horrible idea to have a nine to five plus be a photographer. <laughs> and she didn't know. And I didn't tell her. But I was like, huh, okay, interesting. <laughs> interesting. But the interesting so, thing about that, though, is that that's not a really good value proposition point. It's you know, not if at <laughs> all. <laughs> you know, like, that's how you're selling yourself to someone you want to hire you. Like, that's not... <laughs> it's really understanding who is your clientele like what makes her or him tick Mm -hmm. you know you know why would they invest in your photography services if the turnaround time for images is three to four weeks it's not because we're being a-holes it's because we need that time to make sure that we're doing everything in decency and in order not because we're trying to dangle your your images and all this other crazy stuff yeah (laughs) or it's not it's not the turnaround time is not because I have to go to another job it's right it's the the workflow and right you know all the things that come with it so yeah (laughs) so please make note ladies and gentlemen like saying you can send images (laughs) with a five to seven day turnaround time is not the flex that you think it It is. is not it's not a flex So speaking about boundaries, you know, you have so much experience in the game. And now that I've, I've learned that you were, you know, managing working a nine to five and running your business, Mm -hmm. I'm sure you now have an understanding of like the peaks and valleys in your business. I mean, also building a schedule that works within your lifestyle. 
But I mm-hmm. know, I'm sure like the first couple of years you were saying, you know, yes to everything or mm-hmm. just, mm-hmm. just long grueling days of weddings. So mm-hmm. how did you decide to learn how to say no and start <laughs> protecting those boundaries? Oh, God. too much is that too much somebody will stumble upon this and be like she doesn't know like she I was horrible like literally taking everything saying yes to everything things that were not a good fit gosh I was horrible like I ruined relationships because of me not knowing how to set boundaries in my business so that's always my advice to the photographers that I mentor is like you have to know what's important to you You have to know what you value and you have to stick to those things and put boundaries in place to protect those things, right? I learned the hard way. I'm better at that now. So I can offer that feedback and and share that advice to people. But gosh, yeah, in the beginning, I was so hungry for work. I was so excited about the work. I like breathe photography every day, even at my nine to five, I was thinking about it, wasn't talking about it, but just you know, just excited for the next opportunity. I like the the boundaries that that I needed. So I, I always offer that advice to people. I don't know if I answered the question. But... Well, I think that's a good segue into sharing. What do you think was the catalyst that caused you to say my lack of boundaries is really damaging the, the relationships? And like, yeah. how, how can I get that back? Even if the relationships don't exist anymore, but more so, okay, let me just make sure this doesn't happen again. Yeah. Like, no, I know. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. The thing that kind of opened my eyes to my lack of boundaries was several years ago, I, I was home. I saw in North Carolina. I don't want to give, well, I don't want to give too many details because it won't be hard to figure out, but I was home for Christmas. So with my family and I took a session, um, a portrait session on Christmas Eve and they wanted the photos to share for Christmas Day. <laughs> I'm so, I, I look back and I was like, what, what were you thinking? So I told, you know, these people I could take their photos on Christmas Eve. They were two hours late. <laughs> I waited for them for two hours. I was supposed to be at a family dinner because my family gets together on Christmas Eve. I was waiting for someone to take their photos. Was late to my family dinner. Like when I got there, um, everyone had already eaten. They're they're like starting to wrap up the evening when I get there. And I'm trying to like socialize and see family. Now I live in Virginia, they're in North Carolina. So Mm -hmm. I hadn't even seen them Mm -hmm. like in a year. Mm -hmm. And I allowed my lack of a boundary (laughs) taking that session to cause me to miss time with my family. And then I had to go home or to my parents' house and edit the photos so that they would have something Mm -hmm. to post on Christmas Day. Mm -hmm. Never again. Never. I I don't know what I was thinking. I wasn't. I wasn't thinking. And because of that, I yeah, no, never again. So I make sure now in my contracts that I have the days that I shut down my business. So it's every holiday Mm. and then the surrounding days Mm. so that I won't ever feel the pressure 
to have to deliver something like that again and take time away from like my personal life to meet a deadline. Well, thank yeah. you for sharing. And that is a really good tip. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, why am I? I don't even know. But that was I'm like, a wake up call, a reality. So yeah. I need to put that in my contracts. Oh my goodness. That was such oh, an oh yeah, absolutely. I would put um I would reckon I'm not a I'm not an attorney. But my attorney who drafted my contract, I said, I want to put my office hours in there. I want to put my days off in there. And I want to put how clients can best contact me. Mm. Because now in this day and age of like DMs and social media, mm -hmm, text messaging mm -hmm. and email, I, I used to have people contact me every, Everywhere. every, every way. It was like they would email me. And then if they didn't get them, you know, because it is instant, everybody wants instant responses. Um, and it could be during the hours that I wasn't on email. If they mm -hmm. didn't get a response right away, it was like they were DMing me or texting me. And so now, yeah, that's in my contract. Like I'm off on these days, my office hours on these days, and this is the best way to contact me. I love that. I wanted to quickly pull a thread in terms of deciding to take on the job in the first place, because mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. while I was thinking about that, I think about the times where I said yes to a gig, knowing mm -hmm. in my right mind, <laughs> I should have said no. Uh -huh. And like, I can't speak for you, but I know for me, like the times where I've said yes to things that I know I shouldn't have, like, I know like a huge percentage of it was like financially, like hitting a goal mm -hmm. or thinking, mm -hmm. well, if I, if I say no to this, then nothing is going to come after this. Or I don't know when the mm -hmm. next job is going scarcity. to come. Scarcity. Yeah. Scarcity mindset. So a serious, yeah. Yes. A serious scarcity mindset. I feel like that's the thought that came to mind, but I'm not saying that's your thought process, but I feel like a lot of times that when we say yes, it's because we don't know when the next job is coming. That was, yeah. Like that whole Christmas Eve shoot, that was yeah. definitely, gosh, that was, it was quite a few years ago that that happened, but that was definitely, and I didn't even know the term like scarcity mindset back then, but that's what it was. I was, mm -hmm. and, and, and I knew them. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, they weren't strangers to me. So I was trying to, you know, I, oh, I know them, cool, like whatever, you know, that kind of thing. Now my friends and people that know me, like, no, like if I have a boundary in place, it, it's a boundary. Yeah. It was definitely like, oh, wow. Like if I don't do their photos, they're going to get someone else to do them. And I really want to do their photos. And so, no, I mean, it's okay if somebody else does the job. If if they really like your work, they'll be back. Yeah. But I'm bummed. <laughs> transitioning a little bit to just how you work with your clients like I know wedding photography requires okay. serious trust now obviously <laughs> we're not going to go into like proprietary because like that's okay. not that is not the focus at all okay but I, I do believe that with anything, it requires trust. But especially for wedding photography, it requires a mm -hmm. huge amount of trust with the bride and it the does, groom. It does. And so how have you been able to build trust with brides prior to the wedding day? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. It's a great question. Because you're you're spot on with that, that whole trust factor. Mm -hmm. My way of determining if a client is a good fit for me is determining if they will trust me on their wedding day. And so what that looks like for my business is starting at the initial contact, like mm. the initial query. Mm -hmm. um, so if I get an inquiry, um, I'm asking several questions about their wedding day, about their venue, about them as a couple, 
when they fill out my contact form. From there, we go into a consultation. And it's important for me, even if the client is coming by way of a wedding planner, mm-hmm. it's important for me to talk to the client or know as much as I can about the client before we go on a contract. Yeah. Um, so I'm at a place in my business where I get, luckily, luckily and thankfully, I get wedding planners mostly who will reach out and they'll have a client who know they want to book me and they'll just say, Hey, are you available this day? If so, send the contract. That doesn't always work for me <laughs> because I want to get to know the client and mm-hmm. make sure like the planner and I can have a great relationship, but it's important for me to see if I'll have a great relationship with the client as well. And so one of the things I do is have the client consultation, um, usually via Zoom. I rarely meet people in person anymore. The pandemic kind of, you know, changed yeah. all of that. So yeah. in a good way though, because I was driving like a lot of places to meet people and now I can have mm-hmm. consultations like, mm-hmm. you know, multiple in a day. From talking to them, hearing about their wedding day and then offering them advice, I usually can tell I'm at a point now where I can tell during the consultation if they're going to trust me or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm asking their vision, kind of the things that they're looking forward to with the, with their photography and what they want to remember from their wedding day. And if I feel like they're in a situation where, they're going to either question or not trust the process. I can usually determine that pretty early on and I can decide at that point not to work with them or not to move forward. But then there have been times where a client has, where we've done the contract, right? Where we signed it and we've gotten to the engagement session. The other way is by doing engagement sessions with my wedding clients. That gives us a chance to get to know each other in a low pressure situation. Mm-hmm. And just to make sure we're going to be a good fit, but building trust at the consultation and the engagement session usually ensures that they trust me on the wedding day because we've already built a relationship. And so usually on the wedding day, I'm at a point now where my client is my advocate for me to their Mm -hmm. friends and their family. Mm -hmm. So that way, when I get there, if there's anybody like most of the time, like wedding party or family members, they're trying to be helpful, but obviously like their team bride, team groom, team client, and not team photographer or vendor, or whatever. And so <laughs> usually if it's to a point where like somebody else in the family or wedding party is like either questioning me or telling me what photos to take, my client usually can say something like, well, Terry's got it or Terry did this or Terry, you know, or they've already seen my work and they know from there. So it's kind of a process where that trust doesn't happen on the wedding day. It happens before the wedding day. Yeah. How long is usually I guess the relationship they put down a retainer Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you're securing clients sometimes months a year out a year yeah so Mm -hmm. how long usually is is the relationship would you say I would say on average a year so I have some clients that will that well that was a boundary I had to put in place years ago. I had a client that booked me like three years out. So much had changed in my bit, like so much had changed for me in those three years, including pricing. And so now I don't book more than it. it well, it, well, it depends on a few different things. If it's mm-hmm. a like a destination wedding, or I'm leaving the country, or going somewhere else, that may be different in terms of how far out they can book me but on average I would say about a year so yeah they'll put you know we'll meet they'll put down the retainer we'll do the engagement session and then sometimes I don't see them until the following year or like Mm -hmm. a year from their engagement session but we're in touch yeah so yeah we're talking and then after the wedding I have clients who which is probably my favorite part 
about being a wedding photographer is that I have clients who stay in touch with me after their wedding day, right? They'll come back for like maternity, like kids, family sessions. And so they just like continue on with me. I love that. My longest client has been with me for nine years. Yeah, every year. I see them every year. Yeah. The referrals that just keep on giving. Yeah. Yes. I think people really underestimate just the power of Mm -hmm. just doing a really good job. Yeah. It leads me to something I'm really curious about because I'm really tempted to do it myself. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, So I saw in an article a few years ago where you mentioned that you only have a referral-based business. Yeah. And I just want to know, is that still true? And what went into that decision? So once upon a time, when I was early in business, I paid for advertisements, I paid for uh, magazine ad space. So there's like a bunch of different wedding publications out there mm-hmm. who will create space for you if you pay them. Like banners? Yeah, like banners on their websites, mm-hmm. in their publications, like monthly on their social media, you could pay for space and they would essentially put put you or your brand in front of their audience, right? Because usually the wedding publications have a large audience. And so if you pay them, they'll put you in front of your audience, in front of their audience. And then hopefully from there, you'll get traffic to your site. So I was paying for that. And there was a particular publication where I paid for, I think two years in a row and never from them. When, when I decided not to renew, my, this is probably more information than you care to know. But when I decided not to renew, they basically said you won't be successful without us. Sorry, I <laughs> and that my was mouth a, just dropped. And so that was my motivation. <laughs> that was my motivation. That was my motivation. And so the audacity, the audacity, people are interesting, but that's, that was their position. And that's how they felt. I felt differently. <laughs> and so um, my, my way of, um, trying to overcome that was let me just rock out my client experience. Let me truly take care of my clients and let me love on my clients and the money that I was spending on those advertisements. Let me pour those back into my clients in some way, some way, shape or form. And it wasn't um, me asking them to advertise for me. However, they felt the love and they share my name with their, their friends and their family. And so soon I was photographing weddings of clients, friends, clients, relatives, you know, so I would go to one wedding, see clients from wedding there. And so that felt good for me too. Um, but it, it was, it wasn't an overnight process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it definitely, um, me just kind of taking the mindset of, okay, let me actually love on the people that I've already gotten to know, which caused them to share my name with other people that they know. So it was kind of like just taking that money from trying to be, get in front of a cold audience to loving on the people that, that were already warm for me. Yeah. I'm so inspired by that because, (laughs) you know, the conversation is always around how to add more people to your pipeline or how to, to find new clients. And sometimes what tends up happening is you neglect the ones that you already have. Yes. 
And they're usually the ones who are more likely to like sing your praises or not. <laughs> or not. Yeah. Um, and how do you take care of them? I And also it's, it's bold. I feel like it's a bold move in a time where companies say expli- explicitly or not, that if you are not on this platform, you will not mm-hmm. gain the success that you seek, whatever that yeah, is. That, yeah, I, I was taken aback by that but you know it's kind of one of those things where if you let people if you let someone say that to you and it affects how you do business if nothing else it should be your motivation anytime someone has a criticism of you use that as motivation yeah right to to just to do the opposite of whatever they said it was if it's a criticism once I get to know my clients and they get to know me and we have like this relationship it's just so much easier to love on them Mm-hmm. And then a lot of people who are connected to them are of similar personalities, maybe not the exact same, but similar. So I yep. know if I have a good client here, I love on them. They share my name with someone else that they know. Mm-hmm. Then that creates another great client for me. Yeah. Another ripple effect. Uh-huh. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Do you feel like you have more balance in your life, even though balance mm-hmm. is, is subjective, but- subjective (laughs) do you feel like there's balance in your life and business because you run your business the way that you do in the sense that you're not necessarily having to do a lot of active marketing like having to post all the time and post all these reels but more so your clients are really doing a lot of the heavy lifting for you at this at this point in the game because of the amazing customer service. So do you feel like you're able to find, I guess, some happy homeostasis <laughs> amongst it all? Ooh. Do you know what I mean? It's tough. Uh, I know what you mean. I have more balance now than I've had in the past. Yeah. Uh, but I also, because of the relationship I have with a lot of clients, I'm probably more accessible to them than some other vendors or maybe even other photographers. And so I have to know how to manage hmm. the mm-hmm. accessibility so that mm-hmm. I'm not constantly like, let me figure I, I manage it in a way that someone is not comfortable, like texting me in the middle of the night or 5 a.m. in the morning. Right. So so that's cool in terms of balance. Um, but it can be tough because I don't have as much of a wall up as maybe some people do. The way that I run my business is it's personal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a personal way of running my business. If someone really, really struggles with that, then they would have to know for sure what are non-negotiables, what things they can, can do, cannot do in order to like stay balanced in their own lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like how I have my primary way of contact is email for me. It's yeah. more so, and when I explain that to my clients, it's not um, explained in a way where it's like, you can only contact me via email. I will not answer anything else or mm-hmm, no mm-hmm. no DMs or anything. Mm-hmm. It's not that. But what it is, is, hey, the best way to contact me is via email. If you contact me other ways, chances are I may miss it or I may forget and you're going to be waiting. So- yeah. You know, if you want me to respond to you in a timely manner, this is how I'm telling you I will respond to you in a timely manner. Can you contact me the other ways? Yes, can guarantee, you know, the response you're going to get. Yeah. And it sounds like establishing that very early on in the very beginning, just 
allows for the relationship to run as smoothly as very beginning yeah very Mm -hmm. beginning even when people do contact me via dm i just send them to like a link and i'll just Mm -hmm. say hey so that i don't drop the ball on this i just put it back on me because i do forget i get busy i if i'm out of the shoot and somebody messages me i may see it but then by the time i've left the shoot and go home like i could have forgotten about it because you know because i get home and i have other things to do so it's not that i you know, ignoring someone or being intentional about ignoring them or not that I'm just so forgetful. It's just like things come up. And so I know where I go and check for information and for emails and things like that. But um, it worked. <laughs> but it also, um, it could probably be improved a little bit. Like what? In what ways? Like, I have a lot of people that reach out to me in different ways. And so clients know, right, because they have a contract with me, Mm -hmm. how the best way to reach me. But if it's a like a vendor, right, who's either looking for photos of an event or looking for what they they don't know that boundary that I have. So I have vendors that will text me, hey, can you send me this gallery of this, you know, wedding that we did together? Or they'll DM me, hey, I'm looking for a photo of, you know, X, Y, and Z. So they don't know that's how I operate. So it can be improved in terms of like everybody mm-hmm. that I work with. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I just need to figure that out. Uh, but for clients, I feel like I have a good handle on it. Yeah. So you've been in the game 10 years and counting. What do you believe has attributed to your longevity in the wedding photography business? Oh, I think people would say that I'm passionate about what I do. I don't know. That sounds so cliche. Um, I just take care of people and I think they feel it like it's genuine. It's not robotic. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not OK. You do one, two, three and I do four, five, six and then we're done. And we it, it, it's, it's kind of like um, I put my personality into what I do. I have a different type of energy, like when I'm shooting, when I'm working. Then like if I'm at home, I'm people do not believe that I'm introverted and I am. I'm at home, I could be at home in a quiet house, but on a shoot, I'm probably like the loudest one there. Um, wedding day, loudest one there, having to take charge, and then I'll leave the wedding drive home in complete silence. I think it's my personality. I think I think that's helped because my personality and my passion is what I pour into to everything. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm about to ask one of my clients. It's, to see what it's they something to think about. Yeah. <laughs> ask, yeah. Ask your clients. I think it would be oh. an interesting and eye opening exercise because I mean, your, yeah. your work, like I can see a photo and I'm like, yeah, that's Terry. That's Terry. Really? I guess, yeah. Really? Wow. I, I okay. Mean, well, that's been my goal, but I just don't know. I've heard that before. And I'm like, I don't know. Cause once upon a time, that was a goal. I yeah. want people to recognize Same. my work before Same. they see my name. Yeah. Same. And so now that people actually say it back, I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've had people share photos. Like I haven't been tagged, which that's mm. not really a big yeah. deal for me, but <laughs> it can't be. <laughs> but it's so funny where people will send me an image and they're like, is this you? Yeah. <laughs> and most of the time they're right. Most of the time, they are right. They're like, is this you? And I'm like, yes, it is me. You good? And I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm good. (laughs) Hey, I saw your photo. Do you know this person? Like, it'll be like a repost or something. I'm like, oh, okay. That's, you know, so-and-so. Or, yeah, I saw they didn't have your name on it. Or, you know, this. Yeah, I've seen. I'm like, y'all better. 
have friends who have never met my clients, but know their client's name, know my client's name. They'll be like, isn't that such and such a client? I'm like, how do you, how do you know them? Like you weren't even at their wedding. Well, you talked <laughs> about them on Instagram or, you know, I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. I like that too. <laughs> it's like, you never know who's watching, but also it just, yeah. I think, I think it shows the power of just consistently showing up. Like I, I feel yeah. like when yeah. you have such a strong body of work, even like in the very beginning when like, you know, you can look at your first couple photos and it's probably like cringe, right? Like, Ooh. oh my God, mm-hmm. I thought I was the baddest B and like, thought you were doing I- something back then, right? <laughs> You're like, <laughs> like what, what am I this? doing? But, corny. but it's for people to be able to see the progression and the growth and still say, even though like those first couple of images, okay, yeah, it wasn't that great. They can be better. But I still see the through line of like Mm -hmm. that person's brand DNA or style DNA. Like, I think that's really something to just relish in and be proud of. Like, wow, I've been able to to build this really strong body of work to the point where now people, you know, they see an image and they're like, yeah, that's Terry's or that's Tamara's, you know? I think that would be a really cool like exercise for you to do. Or if you ever have some, some downtime, like, yeah, Post, posting a question, fe- the question feature on Instagram and be like, if you had to describe my worker, I don't know, in three words, what would it be? I you should know? do that because I will probably laugh at some of the <laughs> responses my client. I, I can say I can I can honestly say on this journey as a wedding photographer, there's only been a handful of clients who probably were not the best fit for my business, but the majority, yeah, they, (laughs) I have this, (laughs) I have clients, I I don't know why I was doing this, but like a few of the weddings this year and last year, I just started calling them, (laughs) not related to them at all. And so I was like, hey, little cousin, hey, cousin, like just calling them that, that's cringe too, probably, but but they still call themselves my cousins. They be like, hey, cousin, like, I see you, cousin. Like, when it, whenever I post something, I'm like, you know what? Y'all are hilarious. I would be curious to see what some of them had to say. I'm sure I would get a kick out of it. Yeah, yeah. All right, last question. Okay. If you were to go back to the beginning, is there anything that you would change or do differently? Hmm. Yeah, I would. I was about to say, no, because you all you always learn from da da da. I would. I would ignore people in this industry and in like with social media, like people look for acceptance, right? And people who <laughs> I feel like people can always have something to say, good, bad, or indifferent. And I would overthink and overanalyze the not so great things that people mm-hmm. had to say. So much so that I would dismiss or overlook the positive things that people would say mm-hmm. um, about my, it, and it could be either peers or other people in the industry, and there would be so much positivity, and then it could be like this one thing that I didn't like, and that's what I would like focus on, be laser focused on. Why didn't they like this photo? Like, why did they say mm-hmm. this about this mm-hmm. photo? Mm-hmm. Instead of just really living in the the positivity um mm-hmm. and so I felt like that kept me that that caused me to hold back a lot so I would you know what I would just do me I guess like as people say do you 
I would just do me. And then the people that were along for the ride, just do what I would do for them. And then mm-hmm. the people that were not, they're watching, but mm-hmm. I don't know why they're watching, but I, <laughs> I, I would just really just focus on a more of a, the people that really like saw great things and, and, and not, not the negative. Yeah. I know that was probably like way more than what you were probably thinking, but um, no, that was perfect. I mean, how many of us are always seeking validation, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Always seeking validation and also looking at the one bad apple. I'm like, why didn't they like it? Instead of just like, okay, go on to the next thing, girl. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so then it would make me always nervous. Like, okay, I'm going to put this mm-hmm. out there. No, no, no. I probably mm-hmm. shouldn't put that out. Mm-hmm. I probably shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, just do it. Just mm-hmm. Out there, mm-hmm. yeah. The worst that can happen, you yeah. it, it doesn't work or whatever. And you yeah, just move on. Doesn't work, and uh, so you learn, right? You learn mm-hmm. from the things I've learned. Rather, I don't know about you, but like the things that didn't work, or <clears throat> you learn from that, and you take that data, and then you improve, right? So, like, I think it made me turn into like this perfectionist mm-hmm. instead of like just starting and just doing something and then improving. I was like, no, this has to be right. This has to be perfect. No, you should just start. Just start. So I don't know if that's a message for anybody, but if there's any doubt in your mind, just start and you can always improve upon whatever that thing is. Let the people know, Terry, how they can learn more about your work, where they can find you online, all the good stuff. Okay. Well, my online home is at terrybaskin.com. On social media, I am at Terry Baskin. Those are the places people can like see my work, follow my journey. And then for photographers out there who want education, there's an education side of my business, but that's also at terrybaskin.com slash education. Terry, thank you so, so much for for this amazing conversation. I'm going to make some changes in my business, in my contracts. (laughs) This was really great. Thank you so much, Terry, for your time. I really appreciate it. Having me, I appreciate it. it. Yeah, Yeah. no problem. You're welcome. Thank you. This wraps up another edition of the Zoom In Podcast, a podcast that highlights the stories and experiences of Black women photographers. First, thank you for listening. And if you like what you've heard, please share with your crew. And second, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Spotify so you don't miss out on the next episode. 